Cupcakes are dry and tasteless. Ski. Delicious. And a man who's delicious cupcakes, and tasteless. Man whose cupcakes are moist and delicious. Mm-hmm. Brent. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to be going over a season seven, episode twenty-one, a Midwinter Night's Dream Part Two. Mm-hmm. Do you have something to say? I was just going to add, you know, not just moist and delicious, but also 100% bran. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> tastes He's great regular. and more filling. <laughs> See, I, I really thought you were going to go another way because we we're uh, starting this podcast about a half an hour. Well, an hour after we had originally intended. An hour, eight minutes. And after. then, and then well, uh, well, yeah, I guess 48, 49, 49 hours. hours. <laughs> 49 <laughs> hours and eight minutes after we'd originally planned on it. But the other two delays, we had a little bit more notice on. And today, <laughs> we got a short notice that we needed a half-hour delay that turned into an unannounced hour delay. Um, and so I thought... It was thought, 50 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really thought that Brent's intro or Brent's response there was going to be that they were made in a timely fashion or something <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> of that nature. So. That's, why, that's why mine are tasteless, because they're burnt. Right. You know, well, that's the thing, like, and you sort of touched upon this a moment ago when we were, you know, in the green room. Um. <laughs> the green. we're still in the green room, are we not? <laughs> I was like, so, like, within our timeline, you know, <clears throat> we're here tonight, and then we'll meet again to do like the final couple episodes for the season. Mm-hmm. And then the following time that we meet, we'll like recap, you know, all of season seven and then right. start rolling into, um, you know, see, yeah. And I was like, and there was something that's like special I was going to do as far as like a meal goes for us. And oh, I was okay. trying to figure out like if it'd be next time or the time after, but it's also one of those things that it's <clears throat> like, I would need like a firm commitment because I'm not going to <laughs> time and expense or whatever then find out it's like oh shit now I got all this just for myself (laughs) well so here's what I'll say I'll bring the mama Celeste (laughs) so you know a peek behind the curtain which I think we've said this in the past but we typically do three episodes at a time yeah Um, Yeah, that's kind of the format we've fallen into yeah and it gives us some ability to have some leeway and whatnot Mm -hmm. if we have to miss an episode or not an episode miss a week or whatever here and there Uh, but I think we should do three episodes concurrently and just do like round robin style, <laughs> <laughs> scene by scene. <laughs> and then you could edit accordingly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, that puts a lot of work on me to, <laughs> to cut that apart. I was thinking 
when you said I say leave the, leave the work to the listener and see how good they are with <laughs> mental gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking we'd do it which, in the who's round. Who's telling which one? Where no. <laughs> you would start talking, you'd yeah. get about 30 seconds in yours, and I would say, and we would just all talk exactly. concurrently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually Michael will have rowed that boat ashore. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's is extremely brief or long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say this is not related to that, but it is related to your thing that you (laughs) mentioned about the meal. Golden Palace has 24 episodes. (laughs) And so, in all likelihood, now it's 24. Mm -hmm. And so, that would essentially be eight recording sessions if we Mm -hmm. just did it that way. Mm -hmm. So, perhaps we could just, on our last Golden Girls recording session where we do the recap, maybe we could just do the recap and the meal that night. Mm, okay. And then the next session, just do the first three of Golden Palace. Okay, I'm fine with that. Okay, cool. Then that way, at least it gives a little more leeway and yeah. whatnot. So. A little more How exciting. Time. Yes, exactly. So. Cool. so now everybody gets to know a little bit about... So are we going to record any of us eating or at least our reactions to the meal? Just the reactions to the meal. Do you want to yeah. eat before we do the episode so that then people can hear our thoughts about it afterwards? Oh, I don't care. All right. Well, what you it, had... it was just sort of a celebratory sure. meal thing. Oh, okay. A sense of accomplishment or whatever. Well, maybe here in six or seven weeks, our listeners yeah. <laughs> will get to find out how that went. A little bit of payoff for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all their all their hours of listening, they'll get to find out how we like the meal. <laughs> so well worth it. I bet. I bet whoever listens to this will probably go on a hunger strike until they know. Yes. Exactly. Um, well, I did have a couple listener interactions to Yay. kick us off with. Very nice. Uh, we had two, and I, I feel bad if I'm wrong about this, um, but I don't think we've heard from either of these people before. Either oh, nice. I think again we have two new people. Very nice that have reached out, but I could be wrong because um, mm-hmm. you know I'm old and my memory's getting bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got a message from Adriana Harry. Okay. Does that sound like a familiar name? It does not. I don't, I don't recognize it either. But uh, but I apologize if we have heard yeah. the name previously. Uh, but regardless, well, thank you for commenting anyway. very much. Um, and Adriana said, "I enjoy the game at the end with a thumbs up." Which <laughs> which game was it? Well, this would have been after, let's see, uh, season seven, episode fourteen. Mm-hmm. I believe it would have been. Um, so I'd have to look back and see specifically what that episode was. But I believe the game was you did a game where Ski and I competed against each other. Mm. What were the? We were answering trivia questions. I'm sure. Um, but I don't recall exactly what the trivia questions were. But I do think games are... I, I enjoy it when we have games yeah, here and there. Yeah, me so. too. Um, but we appreciated that comment for sure. I think sure. we've all kind of chipped something in there. Yeah. Well, I think that if we if we do another podcast after this one, after we're completely done with Golden Palace and whatnot, I think that a game should be part of every episode. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I do think it's a generally enjoyable thing. So, And that, that helps confirm that as well. So I, Yeah, definitely. I, Appreciate that, Adriana. Yeah, valid feedback. I appreciate that. And, and specific, too. Yeah. Not just like, yuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gives me nothing to go on. <laughs> but, I mean, it's probably more accurate. <laughs> and we also got one from uh, Angie Smith, and she said that, uh, just boarded my flight to Maui. I have nice. my in-flight entertainment. Stan and Chrissy better have dinner and my ties waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And she sent a screenshot of her phone with the three episodes queued up of the golden of oh, our wow. episode. Nice, nice. Like three fairly recent episodes. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. Nice. So yeah. So we I hope she enjoyed her flight and yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Hope she didn't have to use the barf bag in the seat in front of her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody listening, just keep in mind that we uh, we read every comment that comes in. We try to read all of them on mm-hmm. on the recordings that we do. Yeah. Um, but we don't. Uh, like I said, sometimes we can be six, seven, eight weeks ahead. Mm-hmm. So it may be a little yeah. while until you hear your response, hear our response on here. But we very much appreciate any time you send a message. Don't, yeah. don't lose faith. Yeah, and I get excited even when I see, I don't mention these specifically, but even when we get a like from someone who, like, oh, yeah. like Stacy, I'll like it when I do my post and whatnot. Nice. So it's just nice to see people that have been around for a while are still it. listening. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, and Lisa also, she had sent a message saying, mm-hmm. uh, just in quotations, not a clue um, <laughs> in relation to that episode, whichever episode it was. <laughs> and I just said that perfectly describes our <laughs> podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yo, speaking of clueless, do you guys, I obviously don't because I'm not a podcast fan, um, but you ever listen to Smartless? I have not listened to it. I, I think I've listened to a half an episode or something okay. like that. That's the one with um, mm-hmm. uh, Will Arnett and, mm-hmm. yeah. and Jason I, Bateman and mm-hmm. I'm Sean Hayes. Yeah. Um, so on the HBO Max, they've got, um, it's sort of a documentary type thing, but it's like six episodes um, of them taking Smartless on tour, oh, okay. you know? And part of it's like just them interacting like before and after the show. And also they decided that since they were traveling together, they were also going to like share a, you know, I don't want to say a hotel room because it was like a fancy suite where they each had their own little bedroom oh, or whatever. For sure. And like a common living room. join though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I guess my takeaway is number one, like their little, the three of them, the banter that they have before they record or in this situation going out in front of the live studio audience, mm-hmm. you know, it was not dissimilar to the way the three of us sort of interact sometimes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, we had the potential to be good, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we well, we didn't start off famous either. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Well, and that was the other thing, like, if you'd have asked me before, you know, watching that, like, you know, okay, you know, rank those talents. Mm. I'd been like, oh, well, you know, Jason Bateman's first, you know, and then Sean Hayes and then Will Arnett. Um, maybe not, maybe talent's not the right word, but just how much I like them or sure. whatever. Um, but after having, you know, watched, you know, six hours of them, I will definitely say that, like, Sean Hayes is the most talented of the three. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, there was one part where he, like, came across the piano you know, like backstage or whatever. And he just sat down and started playing classical music, like just perfectly. Wow. And it was just really, really impressive. No, and I then know just, Jason Bateman and, and uh, Will Arnett were both on Arrested Development with yeah. Sean Hayes as well. No, no. Because I've never, I'm not seeing the whole series. So I didn't yeah, know if he ever showed he up. never showed up. But I will say that like, if you'd have asked me beforehand, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, Jason Bateman's got a good head on his shoulders and Will Arnett's kind of a jerk. But sort of seeing them, you know, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. I definitely think Will Arnett has the better head on his shoulders and is probably a more decent person ah. than um, <laughs> a lot of his co- characters. Yeah, yeah, like he's just, just really good at playing a jerk. Yeah, but like watching him interact with his kids or talking to him on the phone or whatever, you know, he's like a decent guy. Well, you know, Jason Bateman's kind of a you know prickly germaphobe. <laughs> like he had this. I wouldn't th- guess that. Yeah, like he had this thing where Will Arnett's like. Yeah, I'm going to go take a shit. And he's like, what do you mean take a shit? You don't have time to take a shower before the show. (laughs) And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, that's what you do. You shit, and then you take a shower, and then you go about your day. (laughs) And he's like, nobody does that. 
in. <laughs> Jason Bateman's like, that's what you're supposed to do. You wake up in the morning, you take your shit, then you take your shower, and then you're good for the day. And he's like, I think it's unreasonable that you think people only poop once per day. <laughs> and Jason Bateman's like, well, I'm not like you people who are just shoveling food in his mouth all day. <laughs> like, it was just really, really... And then, like, just, like, constantly, just, like, hand sanitizer, you know, yeah. chapstick, and just very, just prickly, and also, like... He was like, they were trying to order room service or whatever. And, you know, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes are just ordering all sorts of food. Mm-hmm. And Jason Bateman, like, it was his turn. And he's like, do you have an entree salad? And he's like, you don't. Okay, well, can I have four side salads <laughs> and a grilled chicken breast and maybe a large mixing bowl? <laughs> <laughs> he's going to make his own, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's funny because I think part of it is that I don't listen to a lot of podcasts that um, have really famous people on mm-hmm. them. Conan O'Brien's the only one yeah. that I listen to that has a really famous person. Now, I would still, mm-hmm. if Kevin Smith was doing them still, like mm-hmm. his original ones with mm-hmm. Scott Mosier, I'd yeah. still listen to those. And he's, mm-hmm. he's pretty damn famous. I yeah. agree, yeah. Um, but that said, it's like there's a part of me that when I see like Smartless or one of these other types of big mm-hmm. celebrity podcasts, I'm like, yeah. this reminds me that we started this about eight years too late. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that so was, close. Well, I mean, yeah. if there was ever any chance to like break into, you know, having a legitimately popular podcast, mm-hmm. I feel like that it's probably passed us by for the most part, or at least I like to listen to people who, even if they have a minor amount of fame, aren't mm-hmm. huge celebrities. Yeah. Where if I say, oh, I listen to this John Hodgman podcast, most people are going to be like, oh, who is that? And yeah. then if I explain it, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, if it's those guys, it's just, I don't know, they're just too uh, too famous um, mm-hmm. for me to not feel a little resentful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, in case anybody didn't know or if I didn't mention it already, Brent's going to do a recap today. Correct. Um, and then uh, he and I will just chime in as we go along. Yeah. Did you either of you have anything else to add before Brent jumps in? I don't think so. All right. Well, I'm good. Fire away. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. So, Golden Girls, Season 7, Episode 21, A Midsummer's Night Dream, Part 2. Mm-hmm. Dos. So, dos. Uh, this episode originally aired on February 29th, 1992. Uh, because we discussed the cast and crew last week, we can skip that formality. One thing that I would like to revisit, though, is the fact that this episode aired on February 29th, which, when it occurs, is usually the 60th day of the year. Um, do you guys know how often those of us who use the Gregorian calendar get a leap day? You mean once every four years? Or is the Gregorian calendar <laughs> different from the rest of us? No, we, we all use the Gregorian calendar. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, I assume once every four years. You have an answer? Well, it's actually like four years, like... 23 hours, something like that, and it? it was like... Right, so, February 29th is added in each year. That is an integer multiple of four, except for years evenly divisible by 100, but not by 400. So, in other words, you skip those century marks that are not divisible by 400. 
So the year 2000 was a leap year, you know, but the year 1700, 1800, and 1900 were not oh. because they're not divisible by 400. And so if you're looking to get a jump on things, the next time a leap year will be skipped is in the year 2100. Oh, okay. Because even though... I'll be ready. It'll be the four-year <laughs> mark, 2100's not divisible by 400, so yeah. it doesn't get it. Interesting. So that was really interesting. Yeah, I always, I was like you. I was like, oh, every four years we get it. But, All right. You know. I thought you were trying to be technical because it's not like exactly, no. it's like a day is not exactly 24 hours. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not talking about sentence or seconds or whatever. It's just, it is what it is. So that is interesting. It is. Without, um, I don't know, without us having our consciousness transferred into a robot or whatnot, what do you think the odds are that any of us see 2100? So that's what, 70? Seven years from now? Yeah, so I mean, I, you're like a, <coughs> a 2100, you're I think a year and a half or two years older than Ski and I, um, yeah. and so you'd be, I assume like 123? Give or take, and yeah. And the two of us would be about 121? Yeah. So what do you think the odds are we hit that? Um, not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, will, I, will, I would go out on a limb, and I'd say that the odds of all three of us hitting it, not good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the odds of two of us, three of us hitting it, not great, yeah. <laughs> you know. The odds of one of us hitting it, mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say none of them are, are statistically great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say statistically possible, certainly. Yeah, statistically possible. Especially yeah. because you consider, like, uh, life expectancy is continuing to grow yeah. over yeah. the decades and such. Yeah. And uh, well, 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 are we are we counting like just heads in a jar, like Futurama style? <laughs> Yeah, that counts. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I guess it, theoretically it could happen. Yeah, I, I'd say it's, I would say that there's a better chance that all three of us are dead before 2030 than that all of us live <laughs> in 2100. So you think if we make it to 2030, we're over the hump? And <laughs> no, I so, wouldn't say that. I'm just saying. We're in the clear. I'd say we're statistically more likely to die in the next seven years yeah. than to live another 77 with, yeah. years. With, with the climate <laughs> as it is yeah. in the uh, world right now. Yeah. I just think that our, I mean, Ski works a lot, yeah. Brent runs a lot, yeah. and I eat a lot. So yeah. <laughs> between those three things. <laughs> we all have our lifestyle weaknesses. Well, like, so like tonight, <clears throat> I was like, all right, so, you know, we're meeting at seven o'clock. Mm. And so, like, I was like, right, I'm just going to run to the gym, you know? And so I went to the gym, and, you know, I ran 10 miles. And I was like, yo, yay. Pretty I was proud phenomenal. of myself. Yeah. Thank you. Um, then I got your message that we were running late, and I was like, okay. So I sent my wife a message, like, you want to get beer and pizza? <laughs> <laughs> and she did. <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah, I ran ten miles, but I chased it with alcohol and <laughs> bread and cheese, and, <laughs> and then with probably a very mild As, buzz, you drove your car over here, so I gave you an extra yeah. little. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had one twelve ounce can of beer. <laughs> Edging closer to that death is that your plan? Yeah. Well, yeah. as you came stumbling in the door, I could tell. <laughs> Exactly. Like, Next podcast. <laughs> That's what happens, you know, when you slim down, Brent. <laughs> you gotta adjust your alcohol. Exactly. <laughs> She's exactly. like uh, Billy Billy Joel. Yeah. Like microphone smells like a carnival. <laughs> <laughs> or like, exactly. no, no, no. The, the piano sounds like a carnival. Exactly, yeah. Microphone so- smells like a beer. Yeah. Um, I lose another two pounds. I'm gonna have to start drinking White Claw. <laughs> <laughs> I gained six pounds last week on vacation. Oh, did you? Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, I'm going to hit the gym a little hard tonight. <laughs> so, 
All right. Anyways, some other items regarding February 29th uh, that are worth mentioning include uh, in 468, Pope Hilarius, who was presumably the funniest pope, died. Uh, 1504, famous crumb bum Christopher Columbus used his knowledge of that evening's lunar eclipse to trick some Jamaicans into providing him with supplies. Uh, 1600, Caspar uh, Heinenberger, best-selling Prussian cartographer, whose book, Curse und Wachhaus, Brechung, Der Land, the Parisian, has never left my nightstand, died. <laughs> uh, in 1892, St. Petersburg, uh, the good one in Florida, is incorporated. In 1904, <laughs> American baseball legend Johnny Leonard Roosevelt Pepper Martin was born. Good old no, Pepper Martin. Yep, known as the Wild Horse of the Osage because of his daring, aggressive base running abilities. Mm. Martin was an integral member of the Cardinals teams of the 1930s that became known as the Gas House Gang because of their off-field shenanigans. <laughs> One of Pepper Martin's most famous bits would be to stage a fight in the hotel lobby, and then when a crowd gathered, run upstairs and dump bags of water down on the rubberneckers. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, in a 13-year major league career, Martin played in 1,189 games, accumulating 1,227 hits and 4,117 at-bats for a .298 career batting average, along with 756 runs, 270 doubles, 75 triples, a .443 slugging percentage, 59 home runs, 501 runs batted in, 146 stolen bases, 369 bases on balls, and an on-base percentage of 358. He retired with a .973 career fielding percentage in 613 games as an outfielder and a .927 fielding percentage in 429 games as a third baseman. A four-time All-Star, Martin's World Series career batting average was .418 or 23 for 55 and is still a series record. He's tied for 10th with seven World Series stolen bases and he led the National League three times in stolen bases and once in runs scored. And May 5th, 1933, Martin hit for the cycle in a game against the Philadelphia Phillies. He's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, which really rubs me raw. But anyways, beyond being in the Gas House gang, Pepper Martin was also in the Mudcat Band with other members of the St. Louis Cardinals. They would play gigs around the Midwest and South on the days when they didn't have a game. Uh, Pepper Martin played harmonica and guitar. Other members of the Mudcat Band include Rolon Wanaker on guitar and vocals. Bill McGee played harmonica and guitar. Um, Bill McGee was on Phil, Bob Wyland was on Jug, and Frenchie Bordagari, who, quote, played a contraption that included a washboard, a, a car horn, a whistle, and an electric light. Pepper died in 1965, so if reincarnation is a thing, <laughs> there's a chance he came back as a Golden Girls podcaster. Uh, <laughs> so is that a chance? <laughs> Don't you mean a probability? <laughs> I'm just saying, if somebody told me that I was Pepper Martin in a former life, mm. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I got to ask, being the uh, music aficionado, have you listened to any music from the band? No, I don't <laughs> believe any recordings exist. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if, uh, after reading all that, if you uh, looked some of it up. No, or I didn't head to the Spotify or anything <laughs> like that. Um, you know, Fritchie Border Gray may be the greatest, you know, washboard, car horn, whistling, electric light <laughs> player. <laughs> the best, the best uh, instruments are the ones you make by hand. Out of stuff you have laying around. Well, this may be an unpopular opinion, Uh but (laughs) I'd have to say that you're choosing to read off all of his statistical accomplishments Uh is right up there with your Professor Cooper take (laughs) as far as questionability. (laughs) (laughs) I 
I'm just saying the man's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and he should be. And so anything I can do to proselytize his induction. No, you're not going to like quiz us on any of those stats later on. No, no, no. I'm I'm certain I've already forgotten them yeah, all. No. But I will remember the name Pepper Martin until at least the end of this episode. Yeah, exactly. I remember he had like a 400 something. Uh, all-time batting average, right? Well, it was all-time yeah. bat. He was the all-time leader in World Series batting average. Seven, seven stolen bases. Is that ten right? stolen, or was he's tenth on that list, right? Yeah, tenth, uh, tenth was he's tenth on the list of stolen bases because he had seven. Oh, and we his, were both right. His yeah. batting average is a uh, four eighteen twenty three for fifty five is still a series record. Nice. So you guys so had that. For I right guess team. I lied. We do remember a few. <laughs> yeah, but then again, we literally just heard them. <laughs> <laughs> So once he gets through half an episode, we'll see. How yeah, much. they'll be faded <laughs> yeah. by then. Surely, that'll be a in you know four weeks from now we'll have a game about Pepper Martin. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, since we've reinforced a couple of the facts, I bet we'd get a couple right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only takes one out of three to make the Hall of Fame. So. Right. Well, and he wasn't quite there. He was two eighty two, right? Yeah, but he had all the other stuff though. <laughs> so and like. As far as like um, that gas house gang, there are like nine others who are already in the Hall of Fame. I was oh. like, why'd they go with those jabronis and not Pepper Martin? <laughs> right. <laughs> does seem unfair. It does. Ain't life a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like the idea that the whole rest of your, your uh, recap is just real downtrodden because you're just, <laughs> <laughs> just so pissy just, about Pepper Martin. Exactly. Just finds a way to like take every part of the recap and like weave it in. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like Blanche, like I guess I invited every man in town. You didn't invite Pepper Martin, <laughs> just like the Hall of Fame. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Cooperstown didn't invite him. Neither did you. <laughs> so in 1908, Pat Garrett, uh, the problematic American sheriff who killed Billy the Kid, was himself shot and killed. Mm -hmm. In 1916, South Carolina raised the minimum working wage for factory, mill, and mine workers. From 12 to 14 years old. That state's gone downhill ever since. I'm pretty sure they're getting that uh, working age back down now. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> Say, whoa, let's yeah. pump the brakes, guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with a 10 year old mine worker? Yeah, times mm -hmm. are changing too fast. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, just young pink lungs don't, you know, go black as quick. <laughs> yeah. Look That's... at how low our state deficit was in 1916. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. A direct comparison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In 1936, Alex Rocco, uh, the erstwhile Glenn O'Brien, was born. As we remember, Alex was replaced by Jerry Orbach when Glenn returned to Dorothy's life. Speaking of Jerry Orbach and replacements, in 2004, Jerry Orbach was replaced on Law and Order with Dennis Farina, who also has a February 29th birthday, wow. albeit in 1944. Cool. Yep. Uh, 1956, uh, the poor man's Charlize Theron, Eileen Wernos, was born. <laughs> I don't even know who Eileen Warnos is offhand, so she must oh. be the broke man, Charlie Theron. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely a joke by Brent for Brent. <laughs> so, 1956, the poor man's Charlie's Theron, Eileen Warnos, was born. <laughs> It's my favorite joke of the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's after that one you say it goes a bit downhill. It the does. Rest of the <laughs> it's all downhill from there. <laughs> it's great that it's his favorite. Yeah. And you called him out on it specifically. Right, yeah. <laughs> 
know Brent. Yes, <laughs> we've been friends for a long time. Nineteen sixty Melvin. Melvin Purvis, uh, the problematic FBI agent that captured Babyface Nelson, John Dillinger, and Pretty Boy Floyd, uh, died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Nineteen. Do it. Yep. That's weird. They used to call him Never Nervous Purvis. But I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 1972, the poor man's ski, Antonio Sabato Jr., was born. The poor man's ski. Yep. Uh, 1976, the best thing to ever happen to Ashanti, Ja Rule, was born. Uh, just as a side note, I'd originally misremembered Ja Rule's discography and almost included him as the patron saint of losing one mind up in here. Uh. <laughs> My apologies to DMX. <laughs> That's actually one I would have known. <laughs> you were a pretty big DMX fan. I did enjoy you? DMX, yeah, quite a yeah. bit. Uh, 1980, uh, Gordy Howe, uh, while with the Hartford Whalers, made history when he scored his 800th goal. If you're not familiar with Gordy's Christian name, perhaps you know him by one of his nicknames. Those include Mr. Hockey, Mr. Everything, Mr. All-Star, Power, The Most, The Great Gordy, The King of Hockey, The Legend, The Man, and my personal favorite, Mr. Elbows. <laughs> Mr. Do you Elbows. feel like you can call it a nickname if you have ten of them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Depends on the group, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess... Certain groups, if, if like one group's like, oh, that's Mr. Elbows. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. oh, are you talking about, what is it, Gordy or whatever? <laughs> <the other? laughs> exactly. Oh, Gordy House. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Old Man House, son? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> power? Yeah, my power? <laughs> yeah. Power How? <laughs> wasn't, he, wasn't he the character that uh, uh, Bart used as uh, his card to... To court Miss Krabappel. It might have been. I can't remember uh, for sure. Maybe. So. That was a good episode. It was. I didn't know he had his uh, stats at the end of the episode <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 2012, uh, the ODB died. Uh, for those that don't follow pop music, uh, the ODB is uh, the original Daydream Believer, Davy Jones. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't follow pop music. <laughs> Just want to let you know who the ODB is. Yeah, in case, well, yeah. In case you've never listened to pop music. Exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anybody is a fan who would, would know that synonymous nickname of his as well. <laughs> Davy Jones, the original Daydream Believer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have that song stuck in my head the rest of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> you guys ready for a little recap? Yeah, yeah, go for it when you're ready. Mm-hmm. I am ready, sir. All right. So the episode starts with a nice recap of what the audience just saw less than 30 minutes ago. Hmm. Uh, the new content involves Dorothy and Miles apologizing to one another for their illicit smooch. I know we discussed this last week, but I don't believe any of us were on board with this Miles and Dorothy pairing, or yep, Morphy, no. as the kids call them. Mm. So um, this this was on the same diet, right? Part one and yeah. two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 One of the worst moments of the series, in my opinion. Yeah. Those definitely. two kissing, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Totally out of character for both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we even quoted Hermia um, from Act 3, Scene 2 of Shakespeare's A Midsummer's Night Dream and called them a couple of jugglers, kinker blossoms, and in Dorothy's case, a quote-unquote thief of love. I'm yeah. certain we quoted that, yes. I mean, I did the recap. <laughs> I think I know, and I'm sure that I yeah. did. <laughs> so after they're done apologizing to one another, uh, smooth-talking Miles tries to justify their kiss 
That's like Miles has an answer for everything. He claims they're longtime friends and that occasionally showing affection is just what they do. In other words, he doesn't feel Dorothy should apologize for the game, nor should she be apologizing for being a player. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure that I buy Miles' argument, but then again, I'm viewing this episode through a modern lens. Perhaps if I were an originalist, like some of the people who review this podcast, I'd hold Miles and Dorothy to the same free love ethos that was so prevalent during the tail end of the first Bush administration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to put your fucking woke politics on this <laughs> so. Well, that was what Bush himself was known for. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Dorothy offers a rebuttal that they're scum, and we finally leave the lanai. So anything else in the little first little section you guys want to comment on? I don't think so. I mean, so at this point, have we even gotten to the point where Dreyfus has shown up? Or no. They just started immediately at the Lanai? Yeah. You okay. know, maybe we don't know Miles as well as we thought. I mean, we already found out that he's in the uh, witness, witness protection. protection. So yeah. maybe everything about him is a lie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Miles is definitely a sketchy character for mm-hmm. sure. Um, definitely. He was sketchy back when he was Arnie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His first go around in the witness exactly. protection program. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so the second scene takes place in the Golden's living room. Uh, Rose is giving away herring balls like they're going out of style, mm. while Blanche and her British suitor are canoodling on the couch. The doorbell rings, and it's Dreyfus. He proceeds to jump on Derek's lap, and she starts to apologize. He tells her that British are fond of dogs. It's children they cannot stand. Mm-hmm. Perhaps Blanche already has a little British inside her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rose offers Dorothy a herring ball, and out of guilt, Dorothy takes a pair. She goes into the kitchen to find Sophia sitting in wait. Uh, Dorothy offers a partial confession to Sophia, but she's cut off when she discovers that Sophia already knows the whole truth. Sophia tells Dorothy that she's going to snitch on Dorothy, but in true Sicilian fashion, she's only going to do it because she'll get something in return. In this case, it's the removal of a curse. Dorothy is aghast at both Sophia's guile and at her insistence that a little help with some curse. Uh, perhaps if Dorothy were more familiar with Shakespeare's play A Midsummer's Night Dream, she'd also remember the <laughs> Act 3 scene, too, and the line, Oh, when she is angry, she is keen and shrewd. She was a vixen when she went to school, and though she be but little, she is fierce. <laughs> We have a poster in Gwen's room that says that. Just, oh, yeah. Just that though she's little, she's fierce. Nice, nice. Yeah. Little, little Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophia leaves the kitchen with a message to Dorothy about always doing things for her own good, and we get an aside about Dorothy's involvement in psychological experiments. Rose enters the kitchen, asks about some cheese, and we get a bizarre moment where Dorothy flashes back to her time trapped in a maze trying to get some cheddar for Sophia. Uh, Dorothy turns her attention to Rose, and in an attempt to suss out her reaction, Dorothy asks Rose how she'd feel if Miles tried some of Dorothy's cupcakes. Rose is surprisingly <laughs> amenable to that, uh, but then we realize it's only because she knows that Dorothy's cupcakes are like Alan's milkshakes. They're not exactly known for making the boys run. Uh, <laughs> Dorothy and Rose start to get into an argument about a man because that's the a well this show hasn't returned to in a few seasons. And then Dorothy realizes that Rose isn't aware that cupcakes were just a euphemism for kissing. Dorothy starts to backtrack when Rose starts to get wise. Rose, in an effort to be subtle, paraphrases William Shakespeare, or maybe it's John Lennon, and asks Dorothy if she and Miles have been cooking in the kitchen of love. <laughs> Uh, Dorothy now has the perfect opportunity to confess to Rose, but instead of doing so, she lies to her face. Rose reacts to the lie by smashing a coffee mug in her fist, and Dorothy uses Rose's violence to justify to herself that she made the right call. I don't believe she did, but then again, I've been cursed with these modern sensibilities. (laughs) 
So, anything. Oh, you, do we that? get a chance to add? Okay. <laughs> you always have <laughs> a chance to add. <laughs> well, you know, you're on a roll. I didn't want to. Indeed. You know. So, anyways, I did enjoy, you know, when uh, I liked the little modern uh, or at least pop culture reference that uh, Sophia made when she. And Dorothy gave her sort of half truth of a, mm-hmm. you know, telling about what had happened on the Lanai. Yeah, saying I haven't seen that much face eating since Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Let's see. I'm trying to think. There's anything else? Uh, hmm. Have we gotten to the point too where uh, I think that Dorothy says something to Blanche of, "Oh, you've completed your uh, Men of Western Europe collection." I don't believe so. I think okay. that's next. Yep. So yeah, the only other thing I had in there was just a. Uh, you know, have you and Miles been baking together? And mm-hmm. the, you know, how you could tell that Rose is starting to get pissed off when, mm-hmm. you know, when she put that together. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed that that part of the scene. Yeah. But I agree with you, too, that still would have been much better right then for Dorothy to be like, yeah, this happened, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. But Deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you think you would deal with it, though? Like, if... Uh, if you kiss Miles, I'm okay <laughs> with it. <laughs> live and let live. Well, I would is never Miles do such... still alive? No. That, that'd make it a little bit right, Hell, weird. Gould's not, I assume, Miles, isn't it? Right. Um, well, I would never do such a thing to you because friendship's too important to me. But if Ski and Helena were to have a you know passionate mm-hmm. kiss, do you think you'd be like, well, they've been friends for a while. They've hung out at least twice. <laughs> I would be, you know, the... Uh, you know, the guy from Peterman who comes to our house way too regularly. Right. You know, there's nothing against Ski, but he is more attractive than Ski. And okay. if Helena can keep her hands to herself for that, you know, I would just be flummoxed as to why she would throw it away for Ski. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so would that be a one strike and you're out for both of them? For Ski and Helena? Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. Absolutely. So yeah. There are certain things you don't come back from. Mm-hmm. Like if, if we were out and about... And she was like, ooh, it's George Clooney, you know, and <laughs> she snuck off. I was like, well, I don't, that's not cool, but I right. kind of get it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you're saying I'm no Clooney? I am. <laughs> you're no Rosemary Clooney. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'd have to agree with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess Rose is a little more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um well, plus, too, Rose made her own mistake a little later yeah. on, so I guess it, it worked yeah. out okay. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. One strike and you're out, though. That's pretty rough. Mm-hmm. And that'd be for both of them. Correct. So yeah. there, there's no bros. Or, uh... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> now, what if one of them forced themselves on the other? Then it would just end that friendship or that relationship, yeah, right? Yeah, just the one. Yeah, yeah. Whomever yeah, the victim was. Yeah. Now, what if, though, you felt like Ski was leading her on? Like, if Ski was, you know, being his normal, very nice self, and, mm-hmm. you know, she, he, like, let's say that you and her had had a little fight, and Ski has become, like, the conciliary to uh, mm-hmm. our friend James, and him and his wife have some issues, yeah. and his wife, for that matter. Yeah. And, you know, that she's like, yeah, I don't know what to do about, because Brent's doing this side or the other, mm-hmm. um, and Ski is just trying to be a nice, comforting yeah. guy. Yeah. And then, you know, she kisses him at that point. Would mm-hmm. you, how much blame would you attribute to Ski? He uh, didn't initiate the kiss, but he was... Yeah. So nice that he gave the impression that he'd be down for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would still blame him. Okay. You know. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And also because like, I would be like, you know, he's supposed to be on my side of whatever right. argument <laughs> right, yeah. me and her have. Mean now, to you, Helena. Even if, 
even if you two completely fell out, you and Ski, you'd still finish the podcast, though, right? <laughs> like, so. you'd put your hatred behind you for at least a few more episodes. I would. I would. I, think, I would like to think Maybe. that the uh, episodes would be recorded, but uh, there'd be a, lot, a little extra vitriol. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's, I, he's put a lot of acid into some of his recordings already. <laughs> that's right. That's what I was going to say. Like, every line would be like, and so once again, Miles is an asshole. Not unlike Ski. <laughs> Just every line. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, no, I'll do the next recap too. Exactly. <laughs> I've already written it. Small dick Stanley, although not as small as Ski, <laughs> enters the living room. <laughs> Man, see how bad this can get. <laughs> you can see the pride on his face because his dick's not as small as Ski's. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You guys are mean. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the one who kisses Helena. You are. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just trying to be on Brent's side because you're, you're the, the one, one who created the entire <laughs> like, s- synopsis. <laughs> I don't know, Ski. It sounds like you're trying to deflect. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, all right. All right. So, anyways, um, I'd like to offer up a, a new feature ah. this week. Um, I'm calling it Second Opinions. Okay. Okay, then you guys can have your turn. I'll go first, and then all right. Then we will be second. Them. Yeah, exactly. So basically, it's a chance for us to offer up revised takes on things we previously said. Okay. You know, because every once in a while we offer it up an offer up an opinion or a hot take. But after growing and maturing, we realize that maybe our opinions have changed slightly. Okay. And so this is our chance to offer up some revisions and let the ref- record reflect how we currently feel about a topic. Fair enough. I am curious okay. about this now. So, <clears throat> so this week, to start us off, I've got three opinions I would like to revise. Okay. So when I did the recap for Season 7, Episode 3, Beauty and the Beast, I mentioned John Higgs' book, uh, Love and Let Die, James Bond, the Beatles, and the British Psyche. And at the time, I had not read the book. I very clearly let people know that my opinions were based upon an article I'd read about it on Slate.com. And I think that as an aside, I'd mention that an element that I felt was slightly off and that I wasn't endorsing the book. Well, since then, I've read the book, and, you know, boy, howdy, I'm willing to endorse it. Uh, <laughs> it's probably good, huh? Yeah, it's, it's probably the second best book ever written about the Beatles. And if oh, I was wow. to recommend a book to somebody who'd never read a book about the Beatles before, it's the one I'd recommend. Amazingly insightful uh, about the Beatles and James Bond and the last years of British culture. Five stars. Okay, How many nice. books about the Beatles have you read? Oh, I don't know. Dozens. So, lots and lots. I cannot say the same. Uh, Rob Sheffield's Dreaming the Beatles is still my all-time favorite, but it's probably not the best book to read as your first book about the Beatles. So, in a different episode, and I apologize for not remembering which one, I'd provided a measured response to Spafford's 30-minute version of Green Day's Longview that they did on January 13th, 2023. And I believe I said something along the lines of being supportive of them doing it, but unsure of whether it was really necessary. I could be misremembering what I said, but I definitely remember not being completely on board with it. But I've since revisited the entire concert uh, three times, and I was wrong. So I think at the time I only focused on the second set and the long view. But if you listen to the entire eight-song concert, uh, which is now available on all the streaming services under the title Live in Nashville, you're in for a treat. I encourage everyone to check it out, and I apologize for not evangelizing it harder the first time around. Okay. So, And then finally, I have to slightly rescind a previous endorsement. 
in several episodes, I've spoken highly of the meal my family enjoyed at Dolly Stampede. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> is that really what this comes down to? This it what does. The, <laughs> spurned all this on? Yeah. I was always clear that it was the Christmas meal and that I couldn't vouch for the non-holiday offerings. Uh, well, now that I have Diane there outside of the Christmas season, I can weigh in. Not cool. <laughs> There's still a North versus South element to it, but it appears they've reconfigured into a, you know, we're all in this together type thing, you know, which is a fine message, except that their spin is that it takes both the North and the South to conquer the indigenous peoples of the land. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, I thoroughly enjoyed my first meal there. I saw horses and mangers and Santa Claus and baby Jesus and rodeo clowns and heard all sorts of delightful Christmas songs. It was a good time. This time, though, it was all about manifest destiny and how we're all going to have to pitch in if we're going <laughs> to head west and conquer the savages. The engines. Yeah. <laughs> Just as an aside, on this same trip to the Smoky Mountains, uh, we were taking a tram down the mountain, and the college kid running that thing wasn't having any part of this <laughs> the approved scripting. Mm-hmm. It basically spent the entire time going on about the displaced individuals and the Trail of Tears and how the Smoky Mountain National Park was the only national park that required the use of eminent domain in order to evacuate the residents and create it. Oh. And I got, wow. a, I got a kick out of that kid speaking truth to power. And if, <laughs> tip, if tipping had been appropriate, I'd have hooked him up. <laughs> so, so again... Dolly's stampede, it's fine at Christmas time, but the other 11 months out of the year, avoid it like the plague that killed the Indians. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> uh, the, the smallpox one, well, I that's guess. That's probably the worst, yeah. yeah. So, Steve, did you have any second opinions that you needed to uh, you know, mention on the podcast? Well, I certainly don't have any uh, forethought like he does. <laughs> um, regarding the comments that you had... Uh, I don't remember most of those. Oh, okay. <laughs> I definitely remember uh, the Dollywood, uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, the Dixie Stampede, rather, uh, comments you made. Now, I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, Alexis and Nicole mm-hmm. went uh, with their Girl Scout troop. Mm. And you're having second thoughts about them? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to stick with them. You know? A little bit of buyer's remorse. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Girl's old now, and you know. <laughs> that is a horrible argument to be making. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I even talk? <laughs> I think you should have second opinions I about would. that comment. <laughs> you know what? Duly noted. All right. Uh, so they're at Girl Scout camp, and <laughs> too old well, for I'm you, but say, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know what I was going to say even. Anyway, they enjoyed very much the meal, at least. I don't remember how they commented on the uh, show itself. Oh, yeah. But uh, they, they did mention that the food was very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Would you say it was still pretty good, at least, the meal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was still fine. I, it's like a full chicken or something? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So. Okay. So, well, let's see. The only thing, that, at least the first thing that came to mind was that in a recent episode, this is probably at this point seven, eight weeks back, mm-hmm. um, you and I ended up getting into a conversation about school choice. Oh, yeah. And I had commented multiple times to the episode about, oh, I'm going to need to cut a lot of this because mm-hmm. it's just too boring. Yeah. And then when I did the episode, I didn't end up cutting that, and I regretted it afterwards. Uh, so that would be you my... You regretted not cutting it? Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a dry, boring-ass piece of podcasting. <laughs> 
about an issue that would affect so few people in our listening audience. <laughs> so, well. but it was late when I was doing the editing, and I was like, ah, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I think I think it's a good thing that you kept it in um, because now people are commenting about how they appreciate you playing games with the tax base. Right. <laughs> there you go. Nothing, nothing better really than than a strong uh, uh, stream of uh, comments about taxes on <laughs> yes. how it affects your uh, podcasting. Yeah. Exactly. I'm trying to think if there's any other podcast related things that I've said or done that I regretted afterwards, and I don't know. There's nothing that comes to mind offhand. Never yeah. talked about your daughter getting too old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never talked about her friends aging out of my demographic. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, nor have I ever talked about how prior to drugs they were a young, cute thing or whatever it was. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> Pretty young thing. Yeah. <laughs> Man. You, you did say that. That is something that was said. I did not say it like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was, it was, the context is... I think pretty young thing is a verbatim quote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I may be misremembering the froth around the corners of your mouth when you said it, but... I think that the implication was still there. Yeah, so certainly. Uh, yeah. I may be paraphrasing when I say that <laughs> you, you said you were going to pluck them like a fresh mushroom cap. <laughs> <laughs> Not even sure what that means in this case. I, don't know. I just know you like mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you would have gone somewhere different. Like I'll give them a fresh mushroom cap or something oh. like that. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Anyway, so yeah, I, I, if I come up with any other regrets or second uh-huh. thoughts as you put yeah. it, I'll definitely second opinion, right? Yeah, so, I'll, yeah. I'll chime in. Yeah, and so hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know we've grown and stuff, so mm-hmm. we might have different things that we have said that we regret. How long did you have to think about figuring out your other two, just so you could call out Dollywood? <laughs> 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 no, um, it was just sort of fortuitous or whatever. Oh, okay. So. Um, because, like, they were both fairly recently. Um, like, the um, Live in Nashville album. Because, like, when it came out in January or whatever, like, I dropped the 10 bucks, you know, to listen to it, you know, pretty much, like, a day or two after, because I really wanted to hear that long view. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you said it was a Green Day? Yeah, it was a Green Day cover, yeah, of long view. It was Spafford doing Green Day's long view. Um, okay. But... Last Friday, um, they actually released the whole concert onto the streaming services oh, okay. and everything. And I was like, oh, well, I should, you know, they obviously think really highly of this if they're going to go ahead and make it available to the general public, so I should revisit it. Yeah. And I was like, good. It was really, really good. So, and again, I think I just listened to the second set, which was predominantly Longview and everything. Right. And I think if I would have spent more time from the start of the concert leading all the way up to that point and the following points and everything, I'd have liked it a lot more. I so, would say I generally me. very much love music, mm-hmm. but after doing these recordings and stuff for mm-hmm. how many years now, mm-hmm. I love how much you love music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, you put a lot of time and effort and, and, and brain power into mm-hmm. analyzing how much you like it, mm-hmm. and that's borderline inspiring to me. <laughs> when it comes to love and music, you've got what it takes and you know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. You You know, the good Lord gave me opinions, and I owe it to him to (laughs) make sure they're informed ones. I thought you were going to say the good Lord gave me opinions in this white skin. (laughs) Gave me the authority to say them all. (laughs) 
Exactly. So I need to impart those upon the world. Exactly. Exactly. And the white skin to make them reputable opinions. <laughs> Maybe another second thought. Yeah. <laughs> so the next section immediately follows the previous, um, and it still occurs in the kitchen, and it begins immediately after Rose leaves and Blanche enters. Uh, Blanche tells Dorothy that she's finally met the man of her dreams. She's not th- felt this strongly about a man since she almost married that bigamist back in season one, episode one. <laughs> in the a while, yeah. Yeah. In the midst of telling Dorothy about her new British beau, uh, Blanche realizes that her Grammy's necklace is gone. Her mind immediately goes to the possibility that they fell off while she was playing tour guide Barbie for Derek. Personally, my mind went to Derek's likely familiarity with Shakespeare's A Midsummer's Night Dream and Titania's encouragement in Act 3, Scene 1 to quote-unquote fetch the jewels from the deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we transition to the living room where Sophia is answering the door. It's Christy McNichol, or as I like to call her, the reason God created the girl next door. Uh, <laughs> Christy McNichol and Sophia have a fun little um, you know, chat, and it's got a nice button where Sophia self-reflects on the paperboy calling her a mean old woman. Mm-hmm. In Sophia's defense, uh, she's only mean to the paperboy because he's not in the hospital dying of an incurable disease. <laughs> She'd be much nicer to him if he had received a bad batch of blood. He has nobody to blame but himself. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, next time. Maybe next time. Rose slides between Miles and Dorothy, and we learn that those two are now arguing, and as they storm off in different directions, Rose goes with her guts and follows Dorothy. Blanche re-enters the living room, and we discover that she's been unable to find either the necklace that adorned her bosom or the man who'd admired both. Sophia reminds Blanche that she still has her health and that she could use that health to help Sophia hydrate. Blanche better hurry with that glass of water. Sophia's starting to look a little shriveled. <laughs> Anything now, be- to before you me? go on too far, yeah. the, uh, the Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, the most recent quote about uh, diving for the jewels, uh-huh. is that a euphemism for getting it? No, I think uh, Shakespeare is like, fetch the jewels from the deep. Um, is that think, actually stealing jewels? or I, I think so, I don't yeah. remember the contest. Yeah, I don't remember. His Titania said it. I'm not an expert on it. I just... <laughs> well, <laughs> if you wrote it down, I figured maybe you had the... I don't remember. If you wrote it down, you better sure as well be able to fucking analyze it. Exactly. exactly. I thought he might remember the greater context. <laughs> if you're Shakespeare quoting asses writing checks, your knowledge can't cash. <laughs> Better to keep your mouth shut and let the world think you a fool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I don't. I don't remember the context of Titanius. I didn't that. know if it was yeah. like some kind of way of saying, you know, getting the goods or something from somebody. No, no I think they were literal jewels. Gotcha. I know skis always dry, diving for my family jewels. <laughs> always. <laughs> you just bat me away. Mm-hmm. One of these days, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hope springs eternal. <laughs> uh, so the next section occurs in the kitchen. Uh, Blanche is making a wish list of punishments. Uh, she dole out to Derek upon his capture. Of course, if he's proven innocent, she'll happily take him as her spouse. She leaves the kitchen as Miles and Rose enter. Rose wants to know why Miles and Dorothy are bickering. Miles blames it on the $500 that Dorothy stole from him. Rose knows about Dorothy's gambling habits, so she doesn't think this is out of character for her. Rose tells Dorothy and Miles that they need to kiss and make up. They reluctantly oblige her with the most chaste kiss imaginable. Sophia enters and tells Rose that she saw Dorothy kissing Santa Claus look like Miles. <laughs> uh, Rose says uh, she's well aware that they kissed, and Sophia, not realizing it was a different kiss, is confused, but not enough to pursue the matter any further. Yeah, she does <coughs> drop it pretty quickly. She does, yeah. 
So we go to the living room where the proper authorities have returned Derek to Blanche. Uh, the fuzz tells Blanche that it's not uncommon for elderly women such as herself to be duped, and she shouldn't feel uh, too bad. Blanche doesn't want to admit this, so she tells the copper that she lent Derek the car. The killjoy leaves the party, and Blanche takes Derek out to the lanai. Derek confesses to Blanche that he'd taken her car and her necklace and her ankle bracelet. He also swiped a signet ring from a Shriner, but that's none of her concern. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As a side note, Derek's response, well then, we're square, was my favorite line delivery of the night. Uh, Derek and Blanche return to the living room where the party appears to have ended some time ago. Blanche goes to lock up her family jewels and Derek proceeds to woo Rose. He sweet talks her for 60 seconds and she throws away her relationship with Miles for a kiss of some duration and a smaller follow-up kiss that she went out of her way to obtain. I didn't like Rose kissing the slimy, and I definitely didn't like her kissing him a second time. Yeah. But perhaps I'm just a prude. Perhaps I should take the advice that Lysander offered up in Act 1, Scene 1 of Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream <laughs> of the course of true love never did run smooth. <laughs> Uh, the next scene takes place in the kitchen. Sophia's telling Dorothy that she shouldn't confess to Rose. Sophia knows that Rose's ideal state is ignorance, and that knowledge will only hurt her. We move to the living room where the Goldens and Miles tell Rose about the real kiss, the one she didn't see. Rose offers up some justifications for it, and they, they agree to just move on. Blanche joins them in the living room, and Dorothy wraps up the episode with a line from Shakespeare's A Midsummer's Night Dream that, admittedly, I'm not too familiar with familiar with, so <laughs> I guess we all have our blind spots. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite line in the episode, or I mean, I guess it's an exchange, was the one where uh, Blanche was talking about how, you know, the, the punishment that she hoped would await her for yeah. a limey uh, boyfriend. I'm saying that, oh, please, God, let him get caught. Let him go to jail. Let him rot and die in some filthy cell where the rats, with the rats gnawing at his eyes. Yeah. And then uh, Dorothy's response of, you know, when you pray, the kitchen <laughs> almost <laughs> becomes a chapel. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really good line. That was great. I think that may have been my favorite as well. Yeah. What did you guys feel about Sophia's final line? Uh, which one was her final line? Um, well, pardon me while I play the grand piano. Oh, yeah. Like, were you a fan of it or? Um, I mean, I. it's funny because it hasn't been that long since I've watched this, less than a week, but I can't remember exactly the context that I, she said it in. Dorothy did the really long quote. From Midsummer Night's Dream, oh, so sort of, re yeah. So it's supposed to be like Kirby and Haughty, or yeah, fancy yeah, or whatever. yeah, exactly. And that's sort of like Sophia taking the air out of that windbag. Mm -hmm. I don't care for it. Yeah, like I, I was sort of indifferent to it, but then you know when I sort of checked online, there are a lot of people who think that's like the greatest line Sophia ever delivered. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like the whole contingent of people. Oh, I definitely don't agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised by you know the warmth people had towards that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's okay, but I'm not necessarily... Sophia spent so much time taking down Dorothy anyway that yeah. I don't necessarily need another example of that. Um, well, yeah, yeah she's got so many other that are, I don't know, I think funnier in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, especially, like, funnier, like, closing lines, like, yeah. sort of wrapping up the episode. Mm -hmm. um, and my personal favorite, my boy is dead. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> Well, it was nice to end that episode on a button, you know. That was, like, yeah, it's like, oh. I always like when they sort of recap the entire episode for me. Right, yeah. <laughs> so if you only got to see the last five seconds, exactly. you know what happened. It's got, yeah, it's got a nice, almost like circular you know, <laughs> plot line to it. Exactly. I also liked when Dorothy, not Dorothy, excuse me, Rose was talking to... Uh, to the British guy and Derek. Yeah, Derek. And he's talking about how he's, you know, given up his life of crime basically. Yeah. And she says something like, My friends in the workforce say this is no <laughs> easy time to be changing careers. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that one as well. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I thought that the, you know, there were definitely some solid lines in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, not an episode that I loved overall, but some yeah. good lines here and there. Yeah. I did like it better than part one. Yeah. You know? I think I did too. I mean, I guess maybe it's because, you know, I've had some time to digest that kiss between Miles and Dorothy, and it's no longer fresh. Right, but yeah. I'm still not a fan of it, and I can't get behind either part of this. It's still, yeah, it's still one of those things that kind of flies in the face of the people that they are, or exactly. the people we've been told that they yeah. are for, you know, exactly. seven seasons. or. And it's one of those things that, like, I guess they're trying to justify Miles' behavior by having Rose kiss Derek, mm-hmm. you know, but that's just way out of character as well yeah. for her, you know? And, like, at the moment, she doesn't know that Miles has cheated on her, right? you know? And then, like, Miles sort of gets, like, a look on his face when he finds out she might have kissed somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you? Yeah. Right. I was like, dude, you are in no position to right. <laughs> be judgy right now. Yeah, and I would say that, to me, I would I would call it worse what Miles did. I mean, I yeah. think kissing a friend it, kissing see, a friend I, of the person who you're seeing, I think, is worse than kissing a stranger. See, I, I'm the opposite. Like, I think it's worse. You're back in the Rose, game. <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's worse what Second Rose opinions? did. <laughs> you know, because number one, she has no relationship with Derek. Like mm. he said a couple nice things to her, and she kissed him. You know, mm. which you know, fine. You know, in the heat of the moment, maybe I can sort of see that. But then to pre- go back yeah. and get a second smooch, that's just. I'll grant you that's, that aspect that's some forethought of it. to it. But I still look at it just taking away those aspects, just like kissing a friend versus kissing a stranger. Mm-hmm. I, well, I feel was, like kissing a stranger is more forgivable for he me. He was also a smooth talker, too, to a degree. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a degree of understandability because, I mean, he, that's, he's like a grifter, right? Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he already uh, swindled uh, Blanche earlier that night and yeah. came back for more of it, yeah. basically. Yeah. But, yeah, the second kiss, I think you're right, is, mm-hmm. is like, well, eh. It's not as acceptable. Yeah, one yeah. seat of the moment, the other one takes a little thought. Yeah. I'll, I'll grant you that for yeah. sure. I guess, and I guess, since we're you know belaboring that moment, um, I did like Rose's line about how her mother referred to those earrings as more than her lazy ass husband would make it his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have. Did you guys have anything else to add to the episode before I go over our guests? Oh no, I'm spent. Okay. I think I'm good too. All right. So we had a, a slew of guest actors in that episode. Um. Harold Gould, of course, playing Miles for his 13th of 14 episodes. Uh, let's see, we had uh, Marius Wires, I believe it is, uh, Derek, two, his second of two. Of course, just the other part of this uh, two-parter. Chris McNichol, as Brent mentioned, uh, yeah. in her second of two episodes. Mm-hmm. Bear, Bear the Dog as Dreyfus mm-hmm. in his fifth of five episodes. He's like a golden retriever St. Bernard mix. Yep, exactly. Um, and then uh, Doug Ballard, he was the policeman. He had 66 <laughs> titles. This is his only Golden Girls. Um he did have a lot of uh, one-episode things on shows that you know have been ones that we've enjoyed in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. Alf, who's the boss, Seinfeld, Murphy, Brown. Um, he did have six episodes of the Larry Sanders Show. Mm-hmm. He was on news radio once, which mm-hmm. I know is a Brent favorite. Yep. Malcolm in the Middle. Um, but the I know Ski remembered him fondly as Bill McFarlane in the Sex O'Clock News. Mm. Sex O'Clock. <laughs> <laughs> this just in. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, he he did actually play, uh, I know a lot of times we mentioned uh, comic book movies that they were in, mm-hmm. and he was in The Dark Knight as a businessman. Oh, nice. So, um, if you're Fine ever a, role, if you can get it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think, yeah, if I'm ever in a, you know, comic book movie, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll be credited as businessman or man in coffee shopper. Right. <laughs> or just man number two. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd like to think they typecast you. Rando staring at camera. <laughs> right. I want, I want to say, say they'll typecast you and be like, 
man purchasing record. Mm. There we go. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> man arguing with record store clerk. <laughs> <laughs> so would you be, how would you feel if you, uh, you know, had gotten a small role in a movie? Okay, let's okay. say they were filming it in one of the record stores that you okay. go to on a, mm-hmm. Because Brent has frequently gone for what is a record store day, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and they were doing like a little part of a movie in there. Yeah, and they yeah. had you sign off. Yeah. And in the in in the uh, scene, mm-hmm. you said something like, um, "You know, oh, do you have the new Husker Du album?" <laughs> um, <laughs> but for whatever reason, they thought that that wasn't relatable enough, so then they they dubbed it. Trace said, "Oh, do you have the new Hoobastank album?" <laughs> <laughs> Because they wanted to just mouth, yeah. match up with your mouth well enough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then the credits, you were Hoobastank Man. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's really, what, really What funny. are your thoughts on Hoobastank? <laughs> I have a Hoobastank story. Oh, do you? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, well, good deal. So, Willing uh, to share? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, sort of fortuitous like, setup. No. <laughs> Taking I it to my it. grave. It's mine and mine alone. Um, so the company I work for, um, I don't believe they, no, I guess they still do. I just, it's no longer a thing really. Um, but so originally, you know, 90% of the employees were there in the Muncie office, you know, and everybody was in the office every day. And then the other 10% were sort of scattered out, you know, throughout the land. Um, but so remote workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and different people like sort of part of acquisitions that we'd gotten and different things like that. Oh, okay. But, you know, 90% of the employees were in that same building every day and everybody knew everybody. And we had a really robust um, online classifieds. You know, people who were like, I've got an exercise bike, you know, $50, you haul it away. Whatever you wanted to sell or get rid of. There was this one lady who was constantly, like I think every weekend she went to the flea market mm-hmm. and then on Monday or Tuesday she'd be posting. She's like, do you need windshield wipers for a 72 Pinto? $2, <laughs> you know. Um, Seems specific. Yeah, yeah. It was always odd stuff like that. Um and a lot of times it was the usual suspects, you know, like that lady and different people. And so I'm sort of scrolling. I never paid any attention. But every once in a while you'd see a name. It's like, oh, they never post anything. So they've got some good shit, right, you know, yeah. or something. <laughs> and the guy who was the vice president in charge of corporate security, and by that it's like IT-related stuff. Okay. Like he was the guy who'd send out the, you know, refresher trainings about don't click the spam emails right, or yeah. whatever, you know. And he probably made, you know, $200,000 a year or whatever. Right. Um, but anyways, like his his classified posting was he was selling a copy, um, a used copy of that Hoobastank CD for $1. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you have way more money than you need. Why do you need the dollar? Oh, right. <laughs> like, is it is it worth you to collect that dollar to let the world know you like Hoobastank? Right. <laughs> he know? wants it for t- tax purposes. And, and at the time, he was probably late 40s, maybe 50 or whatever. So it's not like Hoobastank was like a childhood favorite of his or whatever. Right. It's something that when he was in his, you know, late 30s, he's like, I want to see what the kids of today are listening to. <laughs> and he picked up that Hoover Steak CD and carried it around for 15 years and finally decides to unload it no, for sir, a dollar. No, sir, I don't like it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It is my considered opinion that this does not belong in my collection. Yeah. My, my Hoover Steak phase is over. 
I yeah. just like the idea that he's like a super minimalist. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. for all these years, he's still been holding on to that Hoobastank yeah, CD. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? It's time for me to really go all mm-hmm. in on this minimalist yeah. thing and get rid of this final CD. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, so when I... um. You know, I left there the first time, a uh, lady that I work with, you know, she gave him the dollar and got the Hoobastank CD from him. And that was my farewell gift from her. Ah. <laughs> like, like she wrapped it up and everything and I was all excited and opened it up. And as long as that Hoobastank CD and I was even happier. <laughs> That's great. Pretty excellent story, yeah. actually. Yeah. So have you listened to that Hoobastank? God, no. No. <laughs> no. You never know, man. You could have listened to it, and it could have, you know, <laughs> yeah. that could have been your next Hooster yeah. do. Like, and now that I think about it, like, I need to, I don't need to find that Hoobastank CD, but whatever box in the garage it's in also has a couple pictures of the kids that I had on my desk there that oh. I was thinking about the other day that I, oh, I need to dig those out because I'd like to, you know, hang them up in my current office. Right, yeah. yeah. It's funny for a dollar, which, I mean, I don't know if there's even a half-price books out in Muncie or wherever he was, yeah. you know, physically located out, yeah. but... I would think you could probably get at least 75 cents from, you know, mm-hmm. half-price books. And not have that. a shame associated yeah, with exactly. <laughs> you, sh- you should have made them an offer, but low-balled them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I'll give you five a dollar. cents. That's a little... <laughs> like, I'll give you the dollar, but you have to deliver it to my cube. <laughs> Which was probably only 20 feet away. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, like, around the corner from each other. <laughs> but just my power move. That <laughs> right. <laughs> Ask him a lot of questions about it. You're like, so how many tracks are we talking here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. exactly. What's the overall runtime? <laughs> What's the playability? Is it going to skip on track three on me? <laughs> <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm running with my disc man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You really grill him on the condition. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think he's like, oh, how's the case? I played it once when I ripped it to my laptop, and <laughs> yeah. it's been on my Zoom ever since. <laughs> right. <laughs> As it should be. Along with my 700 other songs. Exactly. Um, anyways. Uh. <laughs> I um, I tell you, uh, my sister gave me her MP3 player to load up for her bus ride back to Memphis. Uh-uh. Um, so she was in town, um, you know, to see my dad. And she was like, oh, I've got this MP3 player. Can you um, put some music on for me? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, because she was complaining about, you know, just listening to music. She didn't like to use her phone because it wear down the battery oh, or sure, whatever. Yeah. You know, so she got that. So she gave you the iPod shuffle? <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't an iPod, but it was some non-generic MP3 player or whatever. Mm, yeah. And so I pulled it up, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, there's enough space on here for, you know, 12 hours of music. So, you know, I grabbed my three favorite fish concerts and threw them. <laughs> and I was like, here you go. And she's like, thank you so much. And God, she was pissed when she got to the <laughs> <laughs> she was not happy. <laughs> that's probably one of the cruelest things you've done to your sister. Yeah, she's also in a completely helpless exactly. scenario. It's like, well, I can either not listen to music or listen to this. Exactly. I was like, I was like those are her choices. Silence or snoring or whatever you hear on the bus. Right. Or fish. <laughs> 12 hours of fish. Exactly. <laughs> Three solid concerts, back-to-back hits. <laughs> Upwards of nine songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so... Um, <sighs> so 
Lewandowski, who got your uh, MVP for this episode? I got even though Rose did the double kiss, I don't give it to her. Mm-hmm. I think she was at least pretty forgiving of uh, Dorothy and Miles, and I don't know. I think she had a few pretty good ro- uh, lines. What, what about you, Brent? I'm gonna go do something that I've never ever ever done before. Um, give it to one of the four main characters. <laughs> uh, God no! <laughs> Way too late in the game for that. Now I'm gonna go ahead and um, you know give it to the cop. Oh, okay. you know he was able to run that no good Nick <laughs> out of the house and you know I don't know. I'll give it to him. Yeah, I debated on this one. I, originally, I was thinking Rose, and then I was kind of thinking Dorothy. But then you know both of them. Granted, Dorothy didn't screw up in this episode, but mm-hmm. she did the one before. Um, now, Blanche, even though she was duped, I went ahead and I went with Blanche. I did like yeah. her whole line about how she hoped he rotted in prison and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I think she was definitely the best. Dorothy, I say, you know, the whole kissing Miles thing, but also just the big lengthy Shakespeare quote at the end. Yeah. You know, so. so. And then how about, uh, how many slices of cheesecake for you, Brent? Uh, one and a half. Oh, one and a half. Wow. Yeah. And you said you liked it better than the first one? Yeah, what I give the first one? I don't remember offhand. When I get around to editing it, I'll let you know. Yeah. How about you, Ski? How many slices? I don't remember how many I gave it last time either, but I'll, I'll say four. For yeah. This one. I gave it four, four for the first one, or four is what this gets? Four for the second part. Okay. I don't remember how much I did the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I gave four to the first half, and I gave four and a half to this one. Oh, wow. I liked it slightly better. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I liked it better than you did. At least there wasn't, um, I don't know, I, I wasn't bothered as much by Rose's kissing I am now more that we've talked about it, mm-hmm. but I wasn't in the moment, I guess, as much as I was by Miles mm-hmm. and Dorothy. Gotcha. Um, but anyways, I, I knew it was going to be uh, not at all a contender. Um, yeah. So sometimes when it's those kind of episodes, I don't. If I don't really, really dislike it, I tend mm-hmm. to fall in the average, you know, yeah. four to five range. So, yeah. but Or three to five, maybe. Mm. Anyways. So it doesn't really matter, I guess, because it's not going on to be one of the greatest episodes of the series, Correct. for sure. Yep. So. All right, do either of you have anything else to add for this episode? I'm good. I can't think of anything offhand. All right, well, I wish I had some Shakespearean to throw at you, but uh, I'll just say, stay golden, Coco. That's much ado about nothing. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.